You know, governments can be good, and governments can be bad. How do you define the difference? It's a good day to watch today because we're going to focus on this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going to discover from the Bible what God says about the leadership in our world. Very interesting. And Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look as Sa at Samuel as a man and also uh, the books of the Bible that are named after him. Ryan? Today I'm reviewing the tragic events surrounding the birth of Ichabod. All right, the birth of Ichabod. That's a fascinating mm -hmm. thing. Now, these two reports are coming up a little bit later in about 15 minutes. So make sure you stick around for that half an hour for this program. Janice, what'd you do? It's our Fun Friday wrap-up question. I'm going to ask a question based anywhere from Judges chapter 7 all the way through to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I hope you've done your assigned reading and you'll be able to answer the question. First Samuel 8, verses 1 through 18. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands, and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground, and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage, and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. 
He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. First Samuel chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8 as we continue reading through God's Word. This is very interesting. You know, governments can be good and governments can be bad. Now, typically in the West, we have selected democracy-style government to try to mitigate corruption. However, even democracies can turn out poorly. Just because the majority rules doesn't make the majority right. Now, the Bible teaches us that the only solution to our human problems come from us turning to God. The people of the country have a responsibility to listen to the Lord, as do their government leaders. As damaged people under sin and damaged cultures as a result of sin, we regularly forget God and pass over his commandments so that we can do things our own way, what feels right to us. You know, it's no wonder then that the elected governments go off into a dark direction. <laughs> they reflect the people. On the other hand, a monarchy-based government is centralized around a royal family. If the king of the day is good, the government is good, but if he is bad, then the situation can become bad. Now, though human governments will always fall short, God himself promises that one day he will rule. Now, that's a monarchy I can get behind, I'll tell you right now. Very important, as we read today and understand what God is doing, if you don't have your Bible guide, why not get your Bible guide out as we look at a king? And uh, your Bible guide looks like this. And if you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, you will see pages like this. Click on it. It'll take you to a page called Donate. Thank you for your donations. We very much appreciate it. And uh, it'll take you then to a page where you can download all of the information exactly like we printed it. And you're literally seconds away from joining us. So I want to encourage you today to, to do that. Now, as we begin to understand this, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray today as we study the King, as we study what's going on, that you would show us your ways and teach us your paths. Help us, Lord, because the answers are not political. The answers are us. We've got to seek you, Lord. We've got to come and ask forgiveness of you. And we've got to get our lives Straightened out, Lord, help us to do that as people, as citizens of whatever country we're in. In Jesus Christ's name, and we said that together, and we all said amen. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 8 is fascinating. Look at this, because we begin with verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Samuel, who was old, that he made his sons judge over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they were judges in their Sheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. In fact, they took bribes and they perverted justice or they changed justice. Verse 4. 
Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Look, you are old, Samuel, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the nations around us, all of them. Interesting. Refusing to take Samuel's sons as leaders, Israel demanded a king. Beloved, we should be careful to pray for our leaders. I know a lot of people say, wait a minute, pray for our leaders? You mean the guy that I... What are you going to say about him? What are you going to say about her? What are you going to say about your governments? God says we need to pray for our governments and ask the Lord to touch them. And, and I, if I were you, and I, if, if I, the way I pray is, Lord, touch the government, touch my government. And Lord, help them to hear what you're doing and what you're saying and get in alignment with you, Lord. Help them to do that. It's very, very interesting. So many people are badgering the government, slamming the government, hitting the government, but we need to pray for them and ask the Lord to move. All right, let's go on to the next passage in chapter 8, verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And I get it, Samuel, I get it. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to do. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all of the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. So here we learn that Israel failed to recognize God as their true king. They failed to recognize that. Now listen carefully. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Did you hear that? Jesus Christ is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. We must follow and worship him only. Beloved, I can't think of something more important than to hear that. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and so we follow Jesus Christ. Now, if you follow and build your life following him as a Christian, a Christ follower, then what you believe and how you act with people around you and everybody else, I guarantee you, at least in the governments that I have been under and worked with, that you will do nothing wrong. I guarantee you. Beloved, we need to follow Jesus Christ and we need to say, Lord, help me to be a good Christian. That's what I need to be in Jesus' name. Now let's go on to the last 9 to 18. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties and will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some will make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves and give them over to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage 
and give it to his officers and his servants, and he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants, and you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Next point. Israel was forewarned that a king would not solve all their problems. Beloved, as Christians, remember that our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven, not in earth. Our citizenship, our passport is in heaven above, not in the governments of this earth. We need to keep that focused on as we continue through our lives. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. His mother named him Ichabod, a name meaning inglorious. Now, why on earth would his mom give him such a name? Well, because the events surrounding his birth were just that, inglorious. The Philistines captured the ark, and the high priest Eli along with his sons were killed. And to make matters worse, the Lord cut off Eli's family line from the priesthood because of their disobedience. Take a look. His mother called him Ichabod a name meaning inglorious, which exactly describes the circumstances surrounding his birth. His grandfather, Eli, was God's high priest at that time, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as priests under him. But unfortunately, Hophni and Phinehas were very wicked and godless men who didn't know the Lord. In fact, one author goes so far as to describe them as a shameful embarrassment a perfectly justified indictment since they not only took prime-cut sacrificial meat intended only for God, but also had the audacity to sleep with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. Obviously, these sins were very, very great in the eyes of the Lord because they were treating his offering with contempt. Regrettably, when Eli learns about the evil his sons are committing, he doesn't go to very great lengths to put an end to it because, as the Bible explains, he honored his sons more than he did the Lord. But if Eli wasn't going to deal with it, then God certainly was, and his dealings would be much more severe. So severe, in fact, that God declared it would make the ears of everyone who heard about it tingle. Indeed, in a prophecy against Eli's household, the Lord verily assures him that in time, his descendants would be stripped of the honored and privileged priesthood. Not only that, but God also promised Eli that there would not be an old man among all of his future descendants, because they would all die in the prime of life. And the sign to him that all this would be fulfilled was the death of his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. While this transfer of the priesthood was fulfilled years later under the administration of King Solomon, who replaced Eli's descendant Abiathar with Zadok, as promised, the Lord gave Eli a sign in his own lifetime that this judgment would surely come to pass, and that sign was the death of Hophni and Phinehas. This occurred during a heated battle between Israel and the Philistines. 
After suffering an initial loss, the Israelites thought bringing the Ark of the Covenant along with the priests Hophni and Phinehas could help secure the victory. Instead, the Ark of God was captured and Hophni and Phinehas died. Although Eli had fully expected the news about his sons, when he heard that the Ark of God had been captured, he fell backward off his chair, broke his neck and died because he was very old and heavy. When this tragic news reached Eli's very pregnant daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, the shock sent her into life-ending labor. In her final moments, she named her newborn son Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel. Truly tragic were the events surrounding the birth of Ichabod, who would grow up without father or mother and was seemingly destined to die in the prime of his life. You know, I feel for Ichabod. His family history certainly was inglorious, but as far as the man himself, we know absolutely nothing else about him other than he had a brother named Ahitub. The Bible tells us that in 1 Samuel 14.3. But there's a good lesson to be learned here, and that is that it doesn't matter what your family history is or even what your past is. We can choose to be different. And while we make the choice, it's God who makes the difference. And the first step is making him Lord of your life. And Jesus Christ is that God and Lord. And as the Apostle Paul promises us, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. It doesn't matter what your history is. God makes everything new. And you can make everything new as well if you choose to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, you simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And I, I need forgiveness of my sin. Help me and God will come into your heart. And you can say, I believe you, you died on the cross and you rose again, so help me Lord. That's how you do it, it's simple. Very good, Corey? All right, well, today we are taking a look at the character of Samuel, this, this biblical figure of Samuel. He is a really important character. I really don't think we could emphasize his importance, not only in biblical history, but in Israelite history. Uh, you, you know, he, is in and alive in this time period of the judges of Israel, which is a very dark time for Israel, where Israel is failing to produce godly leadership and God has to specially rise up men and women. And sometimes they're godly and sometimes they're not, but this is him, we see this process of him preserving Israel despite themselves. And Samuel, you know, we get this amazing story of his miraculous birth and how God calls him as a young man and he ends up being a godly and good leader, but he also ends up being a very transitional figure in the history of Israel. Let's take a look at this segment and you'll see what I mean. The biblical figure of Samuel was alive during the time period of the judges and personally sought the transition of this time period into that of the kings of Israel. Samuel himself was responsible for anointing the first two kings. The biblical books of 1st and 2nd Samuel were named after Samuel, who was believed to have started their writing and authored a sizable portion of their material. The beginning of Samuel's life is recorded in some detail due to his importance in Israel's history. Recorded in 1st Samuel 1-3, we learn of his father Elkanah, who was a Levite, though his family was from the territory of Ephraim, and he lived in the city of Ramah in the territory of Benjamin. Alcana's wife, Hannah, prayed for a child and promised to dedicate him to God. She named her son Samuel because in Hebrew it sounds like the phrase requested from God. 
Samuel was raised as a Nazarite, and while still very young, he was brought to live with the high priest Eli in the city of Shiloh, where the tent tabernacle was set up. Under Eli's guidance, Samuel was taught priestly duties. But unlike the other priests of the time, God is said to have revealed himself to the young Samuel, who then prophesied to all of Israel, apparently a very rare thing in those days. During Samuel's life, the Philistines oppressed Israel. They successfully stole the Ark of the Covenant for a time and destroyed Shiloh, which we can assume is why Samuel is then said to have lived in the city of Ramah, the home of his parents. He was anything but stationary, however. The Bible is clear that this prophet of God was also the acting judge of Israel, who traveled to three locations in the country every year in order to provide access for all. Apparently, Samuel was also a married man. The Bible records that he had attempted to prepare for the future of Israel by appointing his sons judges over Israel. But they were corrupt, prompting the Israelites in the face of their enemy Philistines to demand a king. So as Samuel's life begins to come to a close, we see Israel transition from judges and priests as their leadership into this new time period of the kings. And we see Samuel having to adjust to this time period of the kings. And sometimes he adjusts well, but often he doesn't adjust well, uh, which comes as no surprise. I mean, he is this really critical transitional figure, but what he has given to humanity as history and the writing of first and second Samuel and the preservation of the scripture is an amazing thing. Uh, it's an amazing gift that, you know, he followed God and his leading. So I, I think he's a really interesting person to study. In fact, Samuel is the one guy that I want to meet in heaven after I've met with Jesus Christ and hugged him for a billion years. I want to go and find Samuel because he is outstanding. Now, his sons did not serve the Lord. But he did, and he was not a Levite, yet he lived in the temple when he was growing up, and God called him three times. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, But this is an amazing guy. And he's the only guy that I know that when he died, uh, Saul went and brought him and tried to bring him back up, and he did, and he came, and he said, what are you disturbing me for, Saul? And I love that. And so this is just tremendous in, in the story of Samuel very, very interesting. The last judge of Israel before the kings, mm -hmm. because the kings were a transition. They were. Yeah, they they, it was a it was a different time period for Israel that they move into. Um, and, and we see God working through that as well. So it's going to be really interesting. As, as, so now, you know, we've reached this point in, in the history of the Bible, and now we're moving into a totally different system of Israel's existence. Yeah, exactly right. And the yeah. first king is uh, turn, starts out good, but it's not a good king. Yeah, you know, he follows the way of humanity. He follows the way of Israel. He's very much an archetype uh, for Israel. You know, we see Israel starting out really well with the call of Abraham, even though it wasn't perfect. We see them starting out really well and kind of go through this process and they end up in this place where they are mixing their the worship of God with the worship of other gods and it just doesn't go well. And we see that same transition happen for Saul because I think that's what naturally happens to us as human beings unless we make a distinct effort to stay close to God. One of the things that's interesting is that uh, the, they exhaust all the kings and then the final king they reject. 
as Jesus Christ. And he is away and they don't really have a leader. They have a prime minister, but that's it. They don't really have a leader. They still don't have a leader. Well, yeah, it's a different setup today. And yeah. the question is that when Jesus Christ comes back, then we will see. And uh, you might say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you, it doesn't matter. It's what the Bible says. So it doesn't matter how I believe or how we believe the Bible says that. So it's going to happen. It's going to be, thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. What did you do on weekend? Oh, on the weekend, we do a weekly recap on YouTube. So check out my YouTube channel. If you've fallen behind on your reading, you want to get caught back up, my husband and I do a chapter-by-chapter -chapter recap so you can stay up uh, to date with your reading and uh, just pick up the next day where you would have left off. All right, so. very good. And we're going to start on Monday with a new program. It's going to be exciting. But first, today's mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. of the day. Here we go. Lots of information between Judges chapter 7 and 1 Samuel chapter 8, which was all the assigned reading for the past week. So this might be a little difficult today. Just okay. a pre-warning. Okay. Or maybe not. It is a very small detail. The Bible tells us that Samson was buried in the tomb of his father Manoah and that he had judged Israel for how many years? That is tricky. <laughs> and my no hands, signaling. My hands are locked up. No signaling, no head nodding, shaking. The Bible tells us, I've already read it. Look at that. See, I'm so concerned what he's doing over here. I've we lost my place. 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years. What say you and what say you at home? I think so too. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go with 20. 20. You're going to go with 20? The longest version. Mm. The long <laughs> I wonder if that's right. I wonder what the people at home have guessed. I wonder what Bob and Cindy have guessed. You know, they have a very long-standing correct rate in the questions. Bob, and, you're a good man. You know, we have Marinette and, and Sinclair that play along. There's so many people. Greg All right, also so, talked to me. He's from uh, Carolina. He talked to me this morning, too. And so Greg is is probably... Oh, yeah. He, he answered the question. He said, he? I didn't even look at All you. All right. So. All right. Okay. Well, here it is. The Bible tells us that Samson was buried in the tomb of his father Manoah and that he judged Israel for how many years? 10, 15, or 20? If you said 20, you got it right. Judges chapter 16, verse 31. Good job. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we offer a time of prayer and showing and teaching and praying together. I invite you to join us 3.30, that's Eastern time or New York time in the United States of America. And we have people from all over the world. But today at the end of the program, we need to pray. Let's pray this way. Lord, Father, I must do things your way so people can see you in my life today. Help me, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. 